Welcome to the Lion's Den University Report. This program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. We're here today in Newark, Delaware, at the site of the University of Delaware. We're in the office of Dr. David LeGates, a professor in the Geography Department with an emphasis on climatology. And uh, David, welcome to our broadcast. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, you're here as a uh, professor, and uh, uh, you uh, are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, grew up in a Christian family and Christian home, so have had a long time relationship with the Lord, but you're also involved in an organization that I uh, initially uh, got your name was through the Cornwall Alliance. Yes, that's correct. And uh, tell our listeners what that organization is all about, and um, we'll get into some of the the issues related to uh, their emphasis uh, on our interview here. Sure. The Cornwall Alliance is essentially an organization of scientists, of economists, of um, theologians, people interested essentially in the science of the issue and also in keeping track of the poor on a planet and trying to make sure that what we're really doing is caring for the poorest of God's citizens and taking a care of God's uh, stewardship on the planet. Uh, one of the things we found we'll talk about with climate change is where that tends to be counterproductive if you're really an ecological uh, mindset. Uh, and in particular, in a lot of cases, uh, energy and climate are issues that Going down the wrong road will make the poor uh, much more difficult, make it much more difficult for them to live. Right, okay. And so Christians have a concern for people around the world, regardless of their situation and status. And so we care about the poor and the elderly and uh, the weak. And uh, we've celebrated the the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday in January, and that uh, we believe human life is made in God's image and starts at conception. Certainly. uh, uh, you're here and you're uh, teaching in geography, uh, but with an emphasis on climatology. And you have some other uh, hats that you wear or have worn related to your uh, involvement in meteorology and climatology. Tell us a little bit about your your history. Maybe start with where you got your education and so we know your credentials. Well, I, I like to say that was... Um I was born in uh, Delaware has three counties. I was born in Sussex County, raised in Kent, and I've spent most of my adult life in Newcastle County. So I'm very much <laughs> Delaware born. Uh, I got all my degrees from the University of Delaware, bachelor's, master's, and PhD. And then I went off to a faculty position at the University of Oklahoma, where I was there for nine and a half years. I did a sabbatical leave at the University of Virginia for mm-hmm. one year. Um, then I left and went to Louisiana State University for a year and a half and then came back to Delaware in 1999 and been here ever since. Um, I like to say we did tornado chasing in Oklahoma, we did uh, hurricane chasing in uh, Louisiana, and so now I've gotten back to Delaware where it's a little more mundane <laughs> weather, but uh, right. easier okay. to deal with, yeah. All right, and now you had some other positions though, also uh, state climatologist. I've been state climatologist, that, that's correct. Tell us what that position is and uh, when Essentially you in Delaware, that. it's an unfunded position that works with the National Weather Service, works with the Board uh, of State Climatologists, uh, in particular, it's designed to assist people in the state with climatological information. For example, one of the things we did was uh, 
for heavy flooding events, snow events, things like that. We would go work with the Delaware Emergency Management Agency and essentially provide information like the National Weather Service. Generally on big events like that, the National Weather Service is overwhelmed with information and requests for information. And so we would essentially offload a lot of those requests locally so that local people could come to us and get the information without having to go to the National Weather Service. And then we would interface with them to find out you know, how things were changing, how they were developing. Okay. And uh, so how long did you hold that position and when was that? Uh, between about 2005 and 2011. So it was about six years. Right. Uh, I was the Delaware State Climatologist. Okay. And how, how did you get that appointment? Uh, that's made essentially through the governor, a combination of the governor, the National Weather Service, the state climatologists, and the university. Uh, essentially, it's, it's a requirement that a lot of people have to agree to it so they don't wind up with competing state climatologists. In Delaware, it's not really a problem because we're unfunded, but some places there is funding involved, and so that, that becomes more of an issue. Right, okay. And actually, um, maybe a decade ago, we interviewed Another member of your faculty, uh, Dan Leathers, mm -hmm. uh, who also had held that position at one time. Yes. And uh, so uh, you have the credentials there, and also you're you involved in some other organizations related to your field. Yeah, I'm also director of the Delaware Geographic Alliance, which is an alliance of K-12 uh, geographers, particularly related to teaching uh, geography uh, in the public schools, private school system. Um, geography tends to be a social science discipline rather than a physical science. So to some extent, I'm a fish out of water. But a lot of what they, you know, what a lot of what's going on is an understanding of the way the world works and why people live where they live, and why the world interacts the way it does. And so that's essentially what we look at in geography, and it's one of the components of social science or social studies that involves K-12 education. Okay, and uh, so uh, you have a diverse. Uh, 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 credentials and background in the fields of geography and climatology and meteorology and uh, so uh, you, but you take a position you you're a part of this Cornwall Alliance uh, which is uh, what about 60 or more scholars that are aligned uh, oh, maybe that? 120 so oh, okay. something like that quite a few right. yeah all right and uh, uh, that uh, uh, organization, uh, how long have you been involved with them? Been involved with them, oh, I don't know, I'd say six or seven years now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so uh, uh, being involved with them, I don't know, you probably held your viewpoints uh, before getting involved with that, yeah. uh, but uh, you're not in the mainstream. And so. Well, well I, I would sort of object to that. I think to some extent, when you look at what the National Weather Service, uh, or excuse me, the American Meteorological Society has evaluated, they um, asked a number of people their views, and about 60% believe that humans are actively uh, addressing climate change on the planet, and about 40% say, well, humans are, are a player, but not necessarily the major player. But there's a lot of groups out there doing specific work to try to build this 97% consensus. Right. Because it sounds so impressive. It's not like a 100% consensus that somebody came up, which means you only need one person to disprove it. Right. Here it says, well, there's, there's going to be a number of people around. But by and large, everybody's on, on agreement with us. And as you probably know, in science, almost nobody agrees at a 97% level except on the basics of things. Right. And climate change is just such a complicated process. Uh, to limit it to just carbon dioxide as being the single important com component that makes climate run and changes it is is really uh, denies essentially the concept of of climate as a system. 
And so, as we would think about science, even to say that it depends on uh, who believes in it, whether it's true or not, (laughs) or how many of them, uh, you know, what percentage uh, is really the antithesis of of what modern science has been all about. Exactly, yeah. Science is not about counting numbers, you know, as as I guess it was Einstein said, essentially all I need is, is, is one experiment can prove me wrong. Um, so the idea is that it, it really science was built around the idea of almost Missourian, show me, you mm-hmm. know, prove it, you know, we can disagree. Um, but the idea is now we're getting a situation where thou shalt not disagree. Right. That the, the party line is climate change is human induced. We have to grossly reduce our uh uh, economic uh, footprint. Uh, we cannot allow certain developed nations to develop because that would just, you know, destroy the the planet. That would make it harder for them, when in fact it doesn't. And it's it's a whole litany of disastrous types of scenarios that they play out. That really, uh, I just I just can't buy because understanding climate was it was such an integrated complex system, and carbon dioxide was not a non-player, but it's a it's a bit player. And when you start to incorporate the sun, when you incorporate the effect of clouds and water vapor in the atmosphere, um, it's just a really, really complicated system. So to try to make it that carbon dioxide is this magic knob that somebody would turn and that, that droughts and floods and earth, then hurricanes and tornadoes will magically occur because we've increased carbon dioxide, uh, just no, that's, that's not there. Right, and and uh, you know, for those who are not exposed to the, those who oppose this climate change movement, you might say that to uh, take drastic measures because we're in danger of the CO two levels. Uh, the, for example, the founder of of the uh, Weather Channel uh, is a, John deni- Coleman, a denier. Yeah. <laughs> climate Unfortunately, he passed away denier. several several weeks ago. Actually, right, and, John uh, Coleman. But yes, um, uh, so. There are people who have, you know, uh, been involved in in uh, meteorology and climatology yeah. for years and decades, who who hold a different position, and yet they're being censored in a certain sense, or at least uh, persecuted for their. That's it. That's position. right. I mean, it's gotten to the point where you can't just disagree. I mean, it becomes an issue where we have to squelch the viewpoint. We have to somehow silence the opposition, and. That's where, in a sense, our, our universities are starting to become battlegrounds as opposed to places where we search for the truth. It's where, right. where my truth is enacted and you shall not disagree. And then almost anything uh, can uh, be described as climate change because the climate is always changing. Oh, right, <laughs> right. And then you link everything to it and there's, there's a whole host of bizarre things that are related to climate change from mental stability to uh, you know, all sorts of weird things. Right. And then you have the predictions that don't come true. For example, uh, the... Uh, the hype over hurricanes. Oh, uh, yeah. We had, like, what was it, a 10 or 12-year drought of hurricanes exactly. there until I mean, last uh, season. Right after <laughs> Katrina, the idea was, you know, we have to start calling them what they are. They're not acts of God. They're acts of man. These are the kinds of things you're going to see from now on. And then we went through about 12 years with no hurricane landfalls in the United States. And, of course, when the first one hit Texas last year, it was, see, I told you. Right. Um, <laughs> I almost likened it to the YK2, Y2K bug. Sure. The idea was that, you know, listening to that all on the, as it was coming up to the year 2000, this could be a serious problem. Computers everywhere are going to be problematic. You know, our, our economy is going to collapse. And essentially, the difference between that is it always had a drop dead deadline. Yeah. There would be a time when you would know whether it was going to happen or whether it didn't. 
Right. And it essentially came and passed, and it didn't, didn't happen. happen. Yeah. But here, it's always something into the future. If it doesn't happen by 2005, it'll be 2010. If it doesn't happen by 2010, it'll be 2020. Right. We just keep pushing it off into the future. Sure, yeah. sure. And we've heard predictions, and they've come and gone. Yeah. Uh, and Christians have a danger of that, too, of calling uh, for the second coming correct, of Christ. Correct, <laughs> Been the same type of predictors. And so, you know, that kind of prediction uh, should be... Uh, challenge when it doesn't happen and uh, but we also have some other Christian concerns and uh, how do you see your Christian faith relating to the concerns about the not necessarily you disagree on the science which you do have uh, mm -hmm. problems with but also the the reaction to the science of trying to reduce human produced uh, co2 well see part of the issue is we have gotten to where we are because of inexpensive energy I mean if you go back 150 years you spent most of your you know the, the women in the family spent most of their life washing, cleaning, and so forth, and we have made it so that that's a whole lot easier. Uh, in particular, if you look at Africa, for example, if we could get a little bit of uh, energy into Africa, you could have it so that they could use refrigerators and keep the food as opposed to either letting it spoil and throwing it out and going without, or eating spoiled food running the risk of getting sick. A little bit of energy in Africa, for example, would allow you to run desalination to clean water. Um, a little bit of energy allows you to have a situation where you can simply build security. So the idea of food, clothing, shelter, security are things that you focus on first. In, in um, the Ganges River, for example, it essentially doubles as both the water supply and the sewer. Right, and, and we're going to pick this up again on our next broadcast. We're running out okay. of time for this okay. edition, but uh, my guest is Dr. David Legates here at uh, the University of Delaware in Newark, uh, Delaware, and we're talking about the issue of climate change, and he's a professor in the geography department with an emphasis of climatology uh, here at the university, and he's also involved with the Cornwall Alliance, a group of scholars, uh, up to over 100 uh, scholars that uh, take a Christian approach and disagree with some of the science, but also are seriously concerned about the consequences of the way uh, climate change is being dealt with. We'll pick this up again on our next edition of The Lion's Den. Thank you for joining us today. You have been listening to The Lion's Den University Reports. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact The Lion's Den or one of the guests, please write us at The Lion's Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, 17844, or email ltcldur at yahoo.com. Welcome to the Lion's Den University Report. This program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. Well, we're uh, here at the University of Delaware in Newark, 